Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. All right, well, again, we're in our Blitz weeks. And last week, we talked about small groups in general and how it's so important for us to be in the context of a small group. It's biblical. It's biblical. It's powerful. So many things that God reserves for us to have that he only pours out in that context. So it's important that we remember that and walk in it. Today, I want to I really hone in on something else that's really been a passion of mine. It kind of ties into what we've been asking God to do this month. And just let us take, take the ride here just a moment. But I want to call it, entitling the sermon today, Getting to Know God. I know that's very informal, not very cliche. But really, when we talk about what God has created us to be and to do, and why Jesus died on the cross, it's because he wanted to get to know us. Intimacy with God is probably really the biggest curiosity of Christianity. It really is. And I think it's the thing that, that scares people. I think it's, it's the thing that, that everybody really wants, but not, I'm not sure everybody knows how to really achieve. Most people get the idea, of course, from, about holiness. I think we get that part. kind of ties into our natural tendency toward legalism and trying to earn favor from God. You see it in every religion you know, with sacrifices, including human sacrifice, that we all feel like that we're in a deficit and we've got to earn this from God all across. I mean, when you study anthropology, it's built in. We all have it. So we get that part. It kind of works in our DNA because we're operating out of this de- deficit. But that journey is understandable when we talk about trying to get close to God through holiness. It's understandable, albeit it's a lifelong pursuit, even in our relationship with Jesus Christ, to grow, to be sanctified, to become more like him. But the notion of drawing close to God in an intimate relationship, and I mean intimate relationship, seems unachievable since our only real context for relationships is person to person. Isn't that right? You know, we... We, that's, that's our only understanding when we think of intimacy is, is another human being. And so the whole idea of getting to know someone that we can't see is kind of overwhelming, isn't it? It really is. And I almost feel like I'm talking about it. We're all getting a little uncomfortable even thinking about the concept. That's okay. That's why you come to church is to be lovingly made uncomfortable, take us into those areas get us out of our comfort zone, and push us into some new areas. But consider this when we talk about relationships and this person-to-person thing. Letters. It's, it's interesting. You know, there wasn't always social media, right? <laughs> there, there wasn't always telephones. There wasn't always all the things that we enjoy. And it's amazing that we have all of these ways to grow closer, but yet are we really any closer? I wonder sometimes. Matter of fact, I mean, I've read... You know, I, I read all kinds of things, but, and I keep up on this, but what they're finding is that social media is actually causing a lot more anxiety, that social media is causing a lot more comparison, and it's amazing that there is this correlation that the more we get into social media, the more we tend to be depressed. 
Now, that's a little scary. And we can come back to that. But I want to shoot to my point here is that long time ago, when people just, all they could do was write a letter, was their only way to connect intimately. And it's amazing. It worked. And people felt very close. I mean, go and read 19th century uh, letters that people, soldiers wrote home to their, to their uh, loved ones. Or family that would send letters back and forth. It was an, it's amazing to read the intimacy that flowed with those letters and how they really poured out their heart and people felt to some degree connected and loved. So we can't just say that a face-to-face is the only way that we can grow close to one another. Phone calls now, so if we shoot to the, to the modern day, yes, of course, phones really, really did that. You know, my grandfather, sorry, my great-grandfather owned the first telephone in his, his community. And from what I understand, he also got a radio and, and, and gave 20 acres of land to get the first Philco radio. I thought, wow, he really wanted to be connected to the world, didn't he? And, uh, but he had the first telephone in his community. Guess what his phone number was? One. <laughs> That's what I found out. But apparently it was, um, what do they call those, the, the family line? You pick it up and there might be other people talking on the phone. So they didn't share a lot of details on that phone because you could hear some little click in the background, somebody listening in. What's going on with the trombones? Anyway, but phone calls, of course, obviously now we can, we can grow in intimacy without being face-to-face. That's my, my point. Memories. When we build memories, we, we camp on those memories. We think about them. They, they, they elicit warm feelings and ideas, and, and it continues to keep the memory of our loved ones alive. And so it's not, we don't put all the pressure I'm just having to have new experiences. But intimacy grows out of memory. You know, I'm glad for, about that, for being married almost 29 years with Andrea, that we can, I can think back, and we've got pictures that remind us of the things that we did, the, the, the vacations we went on, the, the six years that we didn't have any children, and those wonderful, blessed six years. I'm kidding. Were, they were good. Elizabeth's up in a row going, man... No, no, no. We've got tons of pictures of when they were around, too. But anyway, so those memories elicit intimacy. They bring it back. They bring it to the... And and also associations, connections with people. So it's amazing. We don't have to to have a face-to-face, physical, in-person type relationship in order for an intimacy to grow. That's my point. And so, in other words, we can get to know people in other ways. So... That might even contradict what I'm saying as far as small groups, but it's not. What I'm I'm trying to do is to say, look, intimacy is something that we can have, especially when we think of a God that we cannot see. Intimacy is something that we can have with him who dwells in the high and lofty place. Jesus told his disciples when they said, you are the son of the living God, he goes, that is great. I'm glad you guys got that revelation. And blessed are you that are here with me and see me, hold me, touch me, walk with me. He said, but blessed, even more blessed, are those who are coming that believe in me who do not see. That's amazing, isn't it? There's a blessing that's more than those 12 disciples, God. I don't know, but yeah, I want that. I want to tap into that. I would think that those 12 disciples 
their lives were completely changed in the three, three years they were able to hang with this man, this God-man, this most wonderful you know, person that has ever existed. But yet, we're told that there's a blessing that is had for those who are seeking that kind of relationship. Look at Psalm 139. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Just refer to it. You can go back and read it. But if you read, and if you read Psalm 139 with this in mind, what I'm sharing with you, you see that David understood that God already knew him in the most intimate of ways. It's a powerful psalm. And David is talking about the fact, hey, I can't go anywhere, but you know me. He goes as far as to say, I can't hide from you. You see me. The darkest of night is light to you. If I try to hide in the darkness, there you are. If I go to the far side of the sea, there you are. He says, you knew me before any, any day ever came to be. You knew me when I was being woven together, knit together in my mother's womb. Speaking of sanctity of human life, uh, honoring you know, the unborn recently. Here's David saying, that is all true. That the unborn are known by God, special to God. And so for us to even consider the tragic thought of putting to death a child before it's brought into this world is, 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 is unthinkable. It should be unthinkable for those who know Scripture and those who read the Bible. But here David is tapping into that. Now I want to point something out about David here. Is that David really had a very New Testament understanding of this intimacy with God. It's interesting, and, and, and all scholars are going to tell you that. David, in his, fine, his final days, God said of him, he was a man after my own heart. I love that, don't you? Think about that for me. He was a man that pushed past the norms. He pushed past even the, the blockages that God had set up to say, look, you can't approach me yet. I haven't sent my son. I haven't made the sacrifice. We haven't, we haven't fixed this thing yet. But David is like, I don't care. I want you. So David is writing psalms like Psalm 139 to say, Lord, you know me. Nobody else was saying that. Not a soul could say that. All they would say is, you are lifted up. You are high. You are unapproachable. You're the God who, who dwells in the fire and the darkness. And if I didn't get anywhere near you, I would be struck down. David's like, no. You knew me when I was a baby. You know me when I come, when I sit, and when I rise. Every thought, you know what comes out of my mouth before. That is a man who is pursuing an intimacy with God that is very New Testament. Very New Testament. And in some ways, if we look at David, and you read Psalm 139, and you don't have that kind of understanding, you're playing catch-up, my friend. <laughs> because that is what has been purchased on the cross for you, is to have this kind of relationship. So David understood that God already knew him in the most intimate of ways, and there's no earthly relationship that even comes close to this. Who do you know can come up and say, yeah, I knew you when you were in the womb? Now, mamas can say that, but only to a certain degree. Only to a certain degree. But God already knows everything there is to know about you. Everything there is to know about us. Does it make you a little uncomfortable? It should at the beginning. But then that discomfort should take us right into the comfort of the Savior who knows all that but still loves you. That's cool. 
But I say here in my notes, when it comes to David and how he pursued God in that way, it's now our turn. It's our turn because he has pursued us. David says, you know me fully. You know all of these things about me. Now it's our turn to go and seek him and to pursue him. So you're in a, we're, we're kind of in this off-balanced relationship. We've got a father who's not just sitting out there. We've got a, a God who's not just sitting in outer space waiting to come back and having no idea what the deists believe, that God just created the earth and then went away, and then we'll come back someday. But he has no interaction with his creation. That's absolutely not true, especially when we read what David says here. And, of course, what Jesus taught. Jesus said, man, he calls him the father. He says, my father loves you. He said, that's why I'm here to share the message that he wants to fix this. So how do we pursue a personal relationship with God? In the Old Testament, I'm going to go over this very quickly because some of this I've already said. But in the Old Testament, the Father could not be known. Moses only had glimpses, and others could not approach without being put to death. This was the standard. Moses only saw, Moses yearned for it too. And, he, and God said, no, you can't handle it, Moses. All you can see is my backside, the back of me, as I walk past between the rocks. That's all I'm going to give you. That's all I'm going to give you. There were unique individuals who were chosen to speak and to hear from God as a part of their ministry of service. We, we call them prophets throughout Scripture. David was a man, as we know, after God's own heart because in some ways he refused to play by the rules. He insisted on being able to talk to God. And the rest of the Psalms show us his New Testament understanding. However, with Christ, believers can come boldly before his throne of grace to have a relationship and get help. That's what Hebrews 4.16 tells us. And Hebrews uh, lays that foundation for this beautifully. And so to say that, look, it's all been taken care of. You can now come boldly into his throne of grace. Not his throne of disaster, not of destruction, not of fear and dire warning, but to come boldly into his throne of grace and to see the loving Father's face and arms open wide say, welcome. It's good to have you here. So the writer of Hebrews is telling us that. He said, now, before you couldn't approach him or you'd be destroyed, but now you can come nonchalantly. You can, you can come in with sandals. You can come in however you are and he'll receive us. Through Christ, Jesus' Father becomes our Father, and Jesus our friend, and a brother who sticks closer than any earthly brother. What we find in the New Testament as we shift from God the unapproachable, we come into the New Testament that God is the approachable. And more than just the unapproachable one, like we do on Sundays. Because sometimes I think my friends... Believers, that we still operate in the Old Testament. That we still hang around in the outer courts. Say, well, I know there's a holy of holies, but I can't go in there. Why can't you go in there? Well, because I've, I've committed too much sin. I've, I haven't been really talking to God. I mean, I don't, you know, I'm aware of God. and He's aware of me. I get that. But folks, there's so much more. Now, some of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you... I really want to encourage you to push past that. As a matter of fact, to really get past the whole temple system 
even though that's a great way of understanding, really helping Jews get past that, that concept that they couldn't just nonchalant. But you see Hebrews saying, man, you can just walk right into the Holy of Holies. You can walk right up to the Ark of the Covenant and grab a hold of that, of that and to say, and find that it's a person. That's what it represented all along. So the key to obtaining this kind of relationship is through Christ alone. If you try to go back to the sacrificial system, as so many cultures do, you won't get there. Matter of fact, may I inject something that might shock you? There is someone waiting there. His name is Lucifer, or otherwise known as Satan. He's waiting there. But if you want to get to know the creator of the universe, the lover of your soul, the one who will bring all, all mankind to judgment and those who will stand before him and be able to say, I am going to live with you forever and ever. It will only be those who put their hope in Jesus Christ alone. If you've believed this lie from the pit that there are other ways to get to heaven, just flush that now. It's not true. It's a lie. It's being touted. It's being spoken. It's being reconfigured. It's being televised. It's on the radio. It's in songs. Some of the people that music you listen to believe these things. People who are out on courts believe these things. And they often draw us along with their little song into a lie. The truth is the only way to draw near to Christ, I mean draw near to God, is through Christ alone. Which is why, if we try it in other ways, it's elusive. But it's interesting, I, I, I'm going to inject this real quickly. Is I saw this young, this video it wasn't a TED Talk, but I think it was an offshoot of one of the TED Talks. And it showed this young lady who had this psychedelic, psychedelic experience. They used drugs, psychotropic drugs, to help her get to a connection with God. And it was interesting to listen to her testimony because this is becoming very, very popular of helping people connect with the supernatural by, you know... Uh, getting to the metaphysical by using pharmaceutical drugs. And truth is, that's been around for a very, very, very long time. And all, all cultures of darkness use it, even to this day. So this here, this young girl who said she took it, she started seeing colors, and she just felt this unbelievable sense of love and warmth and tingly feelings through her body. And she said, all of a sudden, I felt like I was just being taken over. And she was led out into the forest where she grabbed a hold of a tree. She was led to go to a tree, and she hugged the tree. And she fell in love with the tree. And she felt the energy from the tree. And she felt connected to the universe. And for the first time in her life, she prayed. But she didn't pray to God. She prayed to the universe. Where she felt these overwhelming feelings of love and connection, but all under the influence of a drug. And of course, we know what happened and I'll tell you what happened, is that there are spirits that are waiting out there in this other dimension, and you can get there through pharmaceutical drugs. You can do those kind of things to feel this intimacy, this connection, all a counterfeit, all a lie. So I throw that out today only to say, and I know it might be shocking, a little overwhelming to your senses, but folks, this is what a lot of people are experiencing, especially millennials today that are being drawn into this. So the key to obtaining 
a relationship with Christ or with God is through Christ alone. Nothing else. So how do we go there and what can we expect? Is this crazy talk? Some of you may think so. Can we have a relationship with God? Yes. <laughs> to think if if that was never God's intention, why would he send a person? Why would he send his son? Why would he even do all that? If, he, if his intent was not for us to be able to, and John said that, John said, that which we touched, that, that, that which we held, and, and, and he is the son, he's the logos, he's the rhema, he's the one, he's the, and Jesus, it says there in the book of Revelation, if you'll come to me, I will come into you, and I will eat with you, I will sup with you. A personal relationship is exactly what God has always wanted all along, very Adamic, very, um, uh, Garden of Edenish to get us back to that point. So I want to share some quick things with you to encourage this and to help you in this journey. The Bible talks about drawing near to God. God has already made his, his, his final move. He has, he has made his final move. He has crossed through the universe. He has come down to our planet. He has brought his son who walked among us, lived his life, ministered, healed us, cast the demons of darkness out of us, made and cleared the path of truth, made the Old Testament uh, uh, in one full swoop, both in his life and his words, made it all sense of it. And he said, this is the final revelation. This is it. There'll be nothing else coming. This is your chance. So, in James 4, we find out, it says here, to draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So very, very true. Faith is the key to approaching God in this way. See, even though God has made all the move, and that's what we know is true, but in, in when we draw near to God, he's already waiting there. And even though James has said he's making a move, it's not really what's happening. It'll only appear that way to us. But he's already there waiting for us. As a matter of fact, for the lost, that is certainly the case. But for you and I, he's waiting. And it comes through faith. This meeting is so much better when you've been invited and are expected. So when we think in terms of having an intimate relationship with God, think of that. He's waiting for you. He's expecting us to come and visit with him. To speak to him to know he is there. Let's go a little deeper on drawing near. Draw near God to listen. So what do we do when we get there? What do you do in this devotional moment where whether, whether you're driving in your car or you're going for a prayer walk or first thing in the morning and the light is coming up and you're sitting there in your easy chair, what do you do? Let me encourage you. These are the three things you need to do. Number one, draw near to God to listen. To quiet your spirit and your soul. Listen for his voice, voice with expectation. Don't bombard God with all your needs up front. And Jesus kind of laid this when he talked about prayer. He said, start with my Father. Blessed is your name. Awesome is your name. Acknowledge him and who he is in his holiness and the fact that he's the creator. Hallowed be your name. Your name is the only name. So to begin, draw near to God 
to listen. Ecclesiastes 5.1 says, guard your steps as you go to the house of God. And that's not just a, a place anymore. So don't think that this building is the house of God. It really isn't. We're the house of God now. We're, the indwell, we're, the, we're, we're where the Holy Spirit goes. This is just a sheep shed, man. This is where we come together to just worship God. It's not a temple. It's not a holy place. It's, it's a former bar for crying out loud. It's a place that has been dedicated for the purpose of using this for the glory of God where all of the, the, the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, come together to worship him and we do it to the best of our ability so we can meet with him. But it says here, guard your steps as you go to the house of God. In other words, when you pray, when you talk to him, to draw near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools. That's a strong word. But that's exactly what foolish people will do is, you know, is they start chattering. They start trying to, to say, I'm going to try to earn your trust. I'm going to try to impress you. Don't try to impress God with beads and, and uh, different things, pilgrimages, sacrifices. Don't impress God. He's not impressed with any of that. That you can raise your hand higher than anybody else on your row that you can sing better than anybody else, when it, you know, that you know the tune and know the words to the song without even looking at the screen. That doesn't impress God in no way. When we come near to God, the first thing we need to do is say, Lord, you are awesome, and then just stop and listen. Listen. Most people are very familiar with the concept of prayer. We know how to talk, but do we know how to listen? That is more critical, exceptionally critical. Number three, draw near to God to learn. Take note of what he tells you. Write it down. The creator of the universe is speaking to you, and he, you might want to write it down. So if he's got something to tell you, it's a good idea. Do you have a prayer journal? If you don't, get you one. You need to write down, and, and, and I keep that on my laptop, but I also keep it, I keep it in many different places. But whatever God tells me, man, I'll stop. And I love, you know, notes on my phone. Do you use the notes on your phone? I use it all the time. I mean, if you look at the notes on my phone, I've got hundreds. And you just go to that, and I, they're all titled, and down there is just things that God tells me. And I write them down. And it's amazing where they come from. I'll be driving, and God will just say, David, yes, sir. Don't forget this. Or do you remember when I told you that? Yes, sir. Wow, I forgot that, God. You're right. Forgive me. I'll get back to that. I'll get right on that. See, God wants to communicate with us. And once we've gotten to that point, God, and so, man, we got a helper. Isn't that what the Holy Spirit's job is to do? Counselor. Why would they use a word, you know, instead of just being a therapist? God is not just a therapist. In other words, that's the way we tend to approach God in the sense of, you know, it's going to be all right. You know, I love you, it's okay. You know, that he gives us our participation trophy. That he just loves it. That's not what the Holy Spirit's job is. It's one of them to encourage us. And Jesus said that. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. But I love the idea of him being that counselor, the one who wants to literally get into the machinations of our soul and help us as we think through and we deal with our own weakness, our own darkness, our own confusions, he wants to come in there and help us with that. 
He literally does. He wants to be your counselor as you offer to him your life. Lord, what should I do with what's going on in this relationship? What should I do with what's going on at work? How should I respond to the pressures and the, the, that feeling of darkness that I, that, that's coming down upon me? What do we do with that? Folks, I'm telling you, we'd put psychiatrists out of business. I'm sorry if you're one. I'm, you know, there are other things you can do, believe me. But we could put them out of business if we would spend more time in the office of the greatest counsel of, of all and let him get in to us. It's interesting, as I listen to a lot of people, a lot of testimonies and read some things, as, especially as I was preparing, preparing for this, that, wow, it's just how many people look for help in so many different ways when Jesus is right there, right there. Write it down. It will line up. Now, when God speaks to you, of course, it's going to line up with his word. It's never going to contradict his word. Because some people can be real nervous about that. Well, man, what if I get out there and he tells me to, you know, to go to Nepal and climb a mountain and spend three years up there. Well, there are several things that you need to do. Number one, is that something legitimate? Is that violating other things? You're not going to abandon your family. Maybe you need to bounce off what you hear with somebody else. Does that sound like a... People do that with me all the time. They'll, they'll call me or they'll text me and just say, Pastor David, I heard this. What do you think of that? And I can say, man, you know, that doesn't really sound like the Lord. That either is you, and often that happens. But it takes practice to learn the difference between my own yearning, which is going to be the loudest voice, and isn't that what the Scripture tells us there, that the Word of God teaches us to discern between you know, soul and spirit, joints and marrow. In other words, to know the difference between what is my yearning soul, that which is in the spirit, what God is telling me, and that which is even physical, a drive, lust, an appetite. Only the word of God can help us with a fine sword, like the, the sharpest um, samurai sword to just divide between those things. To know the, the minutest detail to divide between the two. Only, only the word of God can help us do that. So you say, well, why can't I just spend all my time in the Bible? Why can't I just focus on that? And, and I've heard people say that. Matter of fact, there are whole denominations that just really focus on that, to say, well, he doesn't really want to have that kind of intimate thing. He, God doesn't speak to people. I've had Christians tell me that, that God doesn't really speak to people that way anymore. Wrong. Not true. He absolutely wants to speak to us that way. But he wants to speak to us in many ways so that we are open. The truth is... Folks, we are, I, I, please don't be offended by this because I'm speaking of myself too. When it comes to the spirit, we are deaf, dumb, and blind. We just are. We're walking around like Helen Keller's in the spirit realm. But just like her, she could learn, and she did amazing, miraculously learn, how to communicate with a world she could not hear, see, or touch. And what she could touch. Matter of fact, it was touch that became her connection to the world. And in that sense, folks, we may be hindered by what is out there and what in that plane that God wants to relate to him on. We may be hindered by the things that, 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 that uh, sin has brought upon mankind. But Jesus is saying, look, you can meet with me. You can talk to me, and I'm ready to talk to you. I know some of you might be saying, man, this is crazy talk. No, this is Bible. 
This is Bible. This is what God always wanted. This is what Jesus came to bring. And I dangle it out there in a way to encourage you to go deeper, to find out. So many of us, you know, I would say that you might be right if your life is perfect and everything is going well and that you feel that everything that you're doing is, is producing the kind of life, joy, and peace. If you got it, good. You know, I don't want to interrupt your, your situation. But I got a funny feeling that that's not where you are. I got a funny feeling that all of us have questions. I got a funny feeling that all of us have something on the inside that's bugging us. That's eating away at our peace. That, we, that, that, that when we walk through this world, we're agitated by the darkness around us. That we, are, that we constantly feel that sense of, I want to be there. I'm done with here. And we, 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 you know, that, that's, that's what's constantly going on. Our hearts yearn to be made into the sons of God, the sons and daughters of God, and, 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 and embrace the promise that Jesus has. So what do we do in the meantime? He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But have we been ignoring him the whole time? Probably not. But I think there's a whole lot more we could have. See, discernment is the spiritual ability to know the difference between flesh, physical hunger, the soul, human knowledge, and spirit, the spiritual revelation. He dwells in that spiritual realm, and we need to grow in that. And finally, draw near God to live. Once we have become practiced in hearing God speak, it becomes necessary to follow his promptings. And, and that's good. That, so it's not just being able to say, wow, man, I can hear from God now. This is the coolest thing. I was praying, and I heard this still small voice, and I'm, this is so cool. I'll never forget it when I first discovered it as a high school kid. It was so amazing. I, I can still, I, I, I remember I was at my locker. That is how much this was so valuable to me. I was at my locker. And I remember I just stopped, and I said, Lord, I don't, I don't know if I can do this whole high school thing anymore. And he spoke to me, and said, David, I'll be with you. And I was like, Whoa. And I remember I went to the bathroom, and I went in the stall, and I said, was that you? They said, yeah. I'm here, David. I'm with you. I love you. I'm for you. We're going to do this thing together. And I remember going, I came out of that bathroom just smiling. I went into my history class, American history, and there were people around me, and I'm looking, and I'm going, you're going to hell, man. <laughs> I'm not. You don't have to. I'll talk to you about it after class. Can you imagine sitting next to me and going, this dude is out of his ever-living mind. But that's how much it impacted me. It becomes necessary to follow his promptings. Receive his encouragement. Oh, man. Those words are like liquid life. You know, you remember those times when whether a loved one or a friend or somebody just comes beside you and says, you know, it's going to be okay in your deepest, darkest time. And you know, you go out to lunch one and they're like, look, it's going to be all right. You're going to get past this. Time heals all things. And just the thought of someone speaking that over us sometimes just has that ability to just kind of say, okay, cool. Imagine that if we're hearing that all the time from the one who knows what comes out of my mouth before I speak it, who knows when I, when I, uh, um, when I go, come and when I go, 
I can't flee from him. Jesus says, I'll stick closer to you than a brother. I will be there. I will, I will never leave you nor forsake you. How many times do we leave our homes? Do we breathe our last breath before we, I mean, before we go to sleep? How many times do we, we go through life and we don't take time to talk to him or to just let him in, to just say, Jesus, I, I'm really confused right now. I don't know what's going on. I feel heavy over this thing. I feel broken over this thing. I've just been reminded of my past. Jesus jumps in and says, well, tell the devil, remind him about his future. Hey, good idea. And he's, he's there to say, look, um, let me remind you that I've, I've, I've won. <laughs> I've already won. So whatever you hear about darkness, whatever you hear about what's going on out there, do not listen to it. Because I am victorious and my people are going to be victorious in this life and the one to come. So draw near to God to live. And what I mean by this is to take it to the next level. So you listen, you learn, now apply. Start ap applying it to your life. Don't just separate the concept of spiritual only happening in here. Don't just become a Christian in those moments when you get to other Christians and then live like the world out there. Take him with you everywhere you go. Go. And so, look, you don't have to have these private, intimate, sanctimonious moments. You don't have to have flying buttresses and organ music. You don't have to have all that stuff to create a moment to connect with God. Now, some of those can be cool, but they're not meant to be. I mean, th th those are just baby things. Man, you go and take him out there. When you're building your widgets, when you're, when you're working with people, when you're living your life, he's right there, right there, ready. Now, sometimes, because we live in this human world, we do have to be disciplined to take that moment. We do have to retreat from the natural just for a moment. And, and, but what I'm saying is it doesn't have to be some huge deal, especially if you do a lot of driving, <laughs> you know? Live, apply it. Jesus said there in, uh, in Matthew 6, you know, about in the Lord's Prayer. He said, give us this day. He said, this is how you pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive our sins as we forgive, our, forgive others their sins when they sin against us. And, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. He's only giving us an idea of, of how we can approach him. But notice, it's literally bringing the, the, the struggles the battles, the needs before him. Because those are the things that we tend to get the most anxious about. How am I going to feed my family? I'm having trouble with people. I'm, I'm angry, or they're angry with me, and I don't know what to do with it. And then we struggle with sin. It's all there in very simple forms. And, and in every way, he's saying, look, you guys want to pray. Don't go around you know, doing your Hare Krishnas. Don't go around doing all, you know, trying to do those things that, that impress God. Don't do religious, traditional things that, that make you feel holy and connected, and they have no personal connection at all. Don't do all that. He said, just simply come to him and say, my father, thank you for your name. Thank you that your name is holy and that you've given me the authority and the power to use your name, Jesus. That I can speak to darkness and break it. 
that I can see, I can, in the name of Jesus, I can lay hands on the sick and re- recover. I can, in the name of Jesus, pray over my child who might be battling something. Whether it be waking up in the middle of the night with fear of dreams or traumatized from something of this world. I don't have to sit back and say, I've got to call a psychiatrist. No, no, no. You jump right into that and say, in the name of Jesus, this is my watch, this is my house, this is my child. Hallowed be the name of the Lord and the name that's been given to me. Oh man, I could go on and on. But in James 1, 22 and 23, it says, be doers of the word, doesn't it? Not just hearers only. And religious brings us to just being hearers only. And that, is the, that, and that doorway is called hypocrisy. But he says, don't be doers. So what we hear, what we learn, we need to put into practice. And, and, and there's, so there's the whole book, there's the whole Bible, but then there's your lesson track. And you need to, you need to be up on that. You need to know, what is God doing? What, if I ask you right now, what is God doing in you right now? What is the last thing he spoke to you? What is he dealing with in your life right now? Could you tell me? Now, not what happened a year ago. We just, we just, we're finishing up 30 days of prayer and fasting. I hope you jumped in on it. And if you did, then you can tell me, yeah, I know what's going on. I know what I had to bring to him. I've been anxious about provision. I've been anxious about forgiveness of my own sin. Areas of strongholds, I know I need to surrender. I've been anxious about people. In relationships, I have people. All three are there. Be doers of the word, not just hearers only. Let's apply it. Share with others what God shows you. Share with others. So what you learn in that secret place, share, which is now segueing, because Jamie's back there going, uh, Pastor David, this house is having anything to do with small group. <laughs> he probably didn't think that. But I will bring it to small groups. Folks, what God shows you in the quiet place is to be shared. Now, so not all of it but a good portion of it. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let those who have experienced breakthrough. Your story encourages me. My story encourages you. When Dr. Brian comes to me and says, hey, I've been praying through this thing, and I appreciate you stand with me on that, man, I just had a breakthrough. And it's like, oh, awesome. We did this together. And, 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 and a lot of times what comes with that nugget is something that we learn about God the secret things, the wonderful things. Now, and that's, in, uh, I can't get into all that. We need to close this up. But the truth is this. It's in the context of the small group that these things, now follow this, it's the most important thing I said all day. That what you do learn in the secret place, when you share it, it, Im- it embeds it into who you are. For those of you who know about teaching, you know this is true. It's when, you have, when you've learned something, it goes so much deeper when you've taught it, which is why I love hermeneutics. I've been teaching it for 30 years. You know, I love it. It's, it's an art and a practice. It's an art and a science. I love studying scripture. I love in helping people un- understand, interpret it. And, and so as I've taught it, it's embedded it into me. I've got a lot more to learn, no doubt. But when it comes to the things that God shows you, when you share it in the context of a small group, if you just hold it onto it in yourself, you can look in the mirror and quickly walk away from the mirror and forget what God has shown you. You need to write it down. You need to share it. 
Now, we, we can't all get up here in the pulpit and, and, and share those stories, but you certainly, most certainly can get in a small group of other believers and say, this is what God has shown me. And this is what I've learned. And this is what he's doing in my life right now. And we all can sit there and marvel and say, or we can say, yeah, he's doing the same thing with me. That is awesome. Let's pray together. Let's encourage one another. Amen?